Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 197 of the podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff. I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. Man, I want to say thank you to all of you as listeners who have shared this podcast, who continue to give like exceptional feedback. We love reading your mail. We love reading your your ratings and reviews. Did you know we just hit 700 reviews on iTunes. Guys, that's incredible. Like, thank you. I read every single one of them. They mean a lot. Uh, we're learning all the time about how to make this better. And this is going to be a fun summer. We're actually doing uh, some new things this summer. So you're going to get more than one episode a week. And uh, not every week, but but some weeks. And we're going to have a big celebration too when we hit episode 200. So I just want you to know how much we appreciate it. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for emailing episodes that connect with you to your friends. Thanks for sharing on social. And thanks for all your feedback. You guys are the best. And one of the things I love doing is being able to serve you. And I know that a lot of you are preachers. A lot of you are charged with doing what I'm charged with doing week after week, and that is preparing talks. I saw actually one of Craig Grishel's talk lists for the month of June and uh, I sent him a quick message. It's like, whoa, uh, I think he had like 15 talks that he was doing in the month of June between like his leadership podcast, preaching at Life Church, and some training that he was doing. And you guys, a lot of you are in that space. And even if you're in the business world, right, like you got to give talks. And so that's what we are talking about this week on the podcast because. Uh, I've got Mark Clark back, and Mark and I recorded this episode right after we finished two days of filming our brand new resource. It's called The Art of Better Preaching, and it is actually available as of today. There have been so many of you, actually thousands of you, who have expressed an interest in the course, and it is available today. And I want to tell you what it's all about, because I am so pumped that this moment has come. Um, a lot of you, you're ready to preach better sermons, and uh, maybe you've been doing this for years. And I don't know whether you can can relate to this, but like, how do you know a message is finished? Like, how do you know, like, I'm ready to go? Or, or can you even have confidence that what you're going to say is going to connect both with churched people and with unchurched people? Or how about this? Um, you ever wish you could just speak without using notes? I mean, I remember the first time I saw somebody who like preached without using notes. I was in awe and and I asked like, how do you do it? And he told me a secret that made such a big difference in my life. And uh, now I can, I can speak for up to 40 minutes without using notes. And really, Mark and I, we've become friends over the last couple of years. If you're a regular listener, he's been on a few times on this podcast and he leads uh, Village Church but a 10-year-old church in Vancouver, British Columbia that has grown to over 5,000 people in four locations, two provinces, that's like two states, and a lot of young adults. And of course, I've been preaching for years now at Connexus Church, where I'm the founding and the teaching pastor. We reach about 1,500 people on the weekends, plus thousands more online. And of course, I speak around the world to leaders. So like communication is what I do. And Mark and I took, we've got, we're not that old, not that old, but over 50 years of communicating experience between the two of us, because he's been doing this since he was like eight, I think. And I've been, uh, I've been preaching for 25 years and been a professional communicator for 35 in radio, in law. 
I did courtroom law for that year I spent in law. And uh, we've taken all of our learnings and put them together in a brand new course called The Art of Better Preaching. And what I want to do is just help you with the preaching lessons I needed when I was younger. And I never really, you know, I had to collect them the hard way. And so the course is a series of lessons, tips, and actually a few tricks that are going to make your preaching a lot better from preparation right through to how do I engage the text to what is the philosophy of preaching to how do I create a killer bottom line that people will remember for years to how do I speak without using notes? How do I keep my ideas fresh for the long haul? Plus, Mark and I have a lot of fun. We do a couple of Q&A sessions. We uh, bust some myths about preaching, like how long should your message be, and so much more. We basically took everything we know about preaching and put them into the art of better preaching. It is an on-demand online course, so once you're in, you're in for life. Uh, It comes with a workbook. We've got multiple bonuses for you this week, and here's what's cool. It's got a special introductory price. So for a very limited time, you're going to be able to get it at the best price. Price is going to go up by the end of the month. So if you get in right now, head on over to theartofbetterpreaching.com and get ready to preach better sermons and reach the unchurched without compromising biblical integrity. So you can learn more at theartofbetterpreaching.com. And if you're interested in that subject, well, that's what Mark and I talk about in this pretty freewheeling interview that we did right after shooting the course. We came over to my place, sat down here in the studio, and uh, as always, it is never boring. <laughs> when you're talking to Mark Clark, I think you're going to love it. Here's my conversation uh, with uh, the co-author of The Art of Better Preaching, Mark Clark. Well, we are actually at my house with Mark Clark. Cheers, Mark. We Cheers. Wrapped we just wrapped up two days of filming. Uh, a preaching course, the art of betterpreaching.com. Are you a better preacher? I'm a better preacher after learning at your feet. Uh, yeah, my feet had nothing to do with it. <laughs> no, <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. It, it, it was one, awesome. One of the things, it was great. It was, it was a lot of fun. I've done three courses solo, and this is the first time I've done a course with a partner. And I'll tell you, I don't know whether I want to do any more solo ones anymore. Right. That it's was a lot of fun. just do it by yourself. That was, fun. That was a lot of good interaction. And uh, I think I think we hit uh, content that's going to help preachers, which was what our goal was. We wanted to equip the church leaders, preachers to be able to preach better and to kind of figure out this, like, let's stay away from the two big pitfalls of theological integrity, but boring. Mm-hmm. You know, we've heard those messages. <laughs> right. Wait, wait, wait. We preached those messages. Right, so yeah. Hang on. Okay. Well, we well, haven't just yeah. heard it. We preached them. And then, uh, and then the, and then the other side, which is really great communication technique. Yeah. And really interesting, but they're not saying anything. And we want to try to bring the best of both those things together and create not good preachers, but great preachers. And that was part of our heart behind this thing. So after wrapping it, the 11, 12 sessions, I think it's really going to help preachers out there. Right? Well, you know what was really interesting, Mark, is you you and I, uh, um, I mean, we met a couple of years ago via social. You reached out to me. You've been a guest on the podcast a couple of times. Yeah, I so. reached out to you. You yeah. did? You didn't reach out to me. Well, you're busy. I was too intimidated. That's fine. Man. I was just like, you know what? I'll just tweet Carrie and, and DM him. Is that what it's called? <laughs> Is that what it's called? What? DM. DM. Direct message. Oh, is that what it's called? Yeah, I think did so. I DM. You? No, no, and then that's oh, how you got back. I, I was like, so. I was I like, hey, so. dude, you're killing it, and uh, you know, and then you actually answered, which for a famous, you know, Christian famous. celebrity, I'm not famous. Christian celebrity. 
The celebrity which, in yeah, Southwest Barry. Yeah. West Southwest Barry. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's not even true. Um, but, but as you know, because you've been to Southwest Barry. Yeah, there's, there's, <laughs> like I saw a lot, of I barns and a lot of barns and farm animals and mm -hmm. stuff. It's cool. It's a that's cultural right. hub. Yeah. It's all good. It totally is. Yeah. Um, but you know, what's interesting is we became friends. I invited you to speak at the Canadian Church Leaders Conference. So I've been to your church. You've been to our church. Yeah. And one of the big pieces of feedback we got at the first Canadian Church Leaders Conference is... Never bring him back. What was that? <laughs> well, yeah, you're not back in 2018 <laughs> right. on that note. Um, no, but but it was... You will be back. <laughs> yeah, I realized I didn't get invited back. <laughs> no, can't do okay, the same Karen. thing year after year. Yeah, okay. But um, bottom what line is a lot of people said, wow, you guys would not normally be on the same stage. And that really made me think because we can become so tribal and, and I mean, we have a real friendship. We talk all the time. We text all the time. We get along. And I mean, we agree on the fundamentals. We agree on Jesus. We agree on the scripture. But your style's really different. And my style's different. And I think we're secure enough to know that that's okay. And I thought that would be the great ingredients for a course on preaching. Because so often it could be, well, you speak to your tribe. And all the people who think like you, look like you, dress like you, act like you, which, by the way, is way cooler than the people who, who oh, yeah, dress right. like me. Yeah, right. Um, but then, you know, I could speak to my tribe. Yeah. But what we did with two days in the studio and, and prep work ahead and lots of work ahead mm -hmm. of us mm -hmm. now as we, yeah. we get ready to bring the course to market, which is when this will air, is um, I think we're better because of the diversity. I think we're I better... Agree. Because you're learning from me, I'm learning from you, and we're bringing our own unique approaches yep. to preaching. And that's one of the biggest issues, right? Mm. We, we talked about that in the course. Yep. Like, have you ever been tempted, Mark, to imitate a preacher rather than being who God created you to be? Never, Carrie. Never? I am, no, uh, you're such an original. a unique space uh, creature who just is completely... <laughs> yeah, no, of course I, I have and have done. I mean, in, when I started out, it was, it was, uh, I didn't have any, uh, preachers to look up to cause I didn't have any Christian culture. I used to listen right. to these Ravi Zacharias, like cassette tapes. And then when I would be with people, That's I would awesome. just like reiterate his arguments to people to like, to garage my first preaching experience, of course, coming as a non-Christian and becoming a Christian was okay. One Friday night, I'm smoking weed in my buddy's, you know, uh, garage with 30 of our friends getting hammered, <laughs> you know, fast forward a month later, I'm a Christian. Now I'm in the same garage. They're all getting hammered still, and I'm having to defend Christianity. Wow. So what am I doing? I'm actually using content. My buddy handed me a bunch of tapes. He's like, hey, you're a new Christian. Listen to this. And I ate those things up, and then I would speak like that and talk like that, you know, not with, you know, an Indian accent. She became like, like Robbie. Yeah, yeah, it's like, <laughs> when I was traveling to India last year, it's like, wait, no, that's not me. You never did that. What are you talking? You know? So yeah, there was imitation going on a little bit. Um, and then through the years, yeah, I was influenced by different preachers and teachers. And, and, uh, and I, you know, one of the things I talked about in the course is like the need to really get developed. But then once you find your voice and your style and feel really, set up with that, um, trying to wean yourself off of it so it doesn't become mimicking and it doesn't mm. become just imitating people. And so there's that real delicate balance of listen to a wide variety of people, get your inspiration to learn how to preach and teach. And then when you find that groove and you're like, I think this is it, and people can tell you that, you have an intuition, the Lord, the Holy Spirit can tell you that, then try to wean yourself off or else you're going to just start mimicking them. So You've done yeah. that recently, haven't you? What's you've, that? you've actually stopped listening to other preachers for a season. Yeah, I, I have probably have not listened to a sermon 
recording or podcast in three years, maybe three and a half years. Yeah. Tell me why. Yeah. I think it was that. I think I started to feel like I was getting too dependent. I was starting to sound like preachers, starting to, uh, you know, try to figure out, okay, could I take that content and just reiterate it? And I started to go, I don't want to be that guy. I want to, mm. you know, there's nothing wrong, of course. Like, I mean, you listen to the Kellers of the world, right? They, yeah. they listened, their stories are, they would listen to old Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones sermons and memorize mm. them and preach them. Wow. Right? Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones, would preach these evening services that were very so of course in the morning he had expository stuff that he would do only but then in the evenings it was all evangelistic and uh Keller used to memorize those things and uh and preach them and so i mean it's it's the i mean what's the people read spurgeon sermons and they take the content and they you there's no real difference between that and listening to a preacher on a podcast and then taking some ideas so i'm not like Oh, you plagiarize you. I heard so-and-so say that. And then you said it, you're bad. Like, I don't much care about that. It's really about, um, forcing yourself to get better by weaning yourself off the dependency. That's more yeah. about what it is. And then once you're in the groove, I just find that I think better now that I force myself to have to deal with it. So it's mm -hmm. not to say I won't go back. And if someone does a series on some book I'm preaching through, but uh, I just, I just I wanted to be careful. No, I think that's good. And I find in my own case that imitation kills innovation. So what, what will happen is if I get too much in your orbit or Andy Stanley's orbit or Tim Keller's orbit or Stephen Furtick's orbit or Levi Lusco or whoever, you know, Craig Rochelle, whatever my, 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 you know, favorite of the week is. Your muscles would grow if you got in Craig Rochelle's <laughs> That orbit. would be a good thing. And Stephen Furtick's orbit. I might, I might eat a little bit healthier too. <laughs> Knowing those guys, you know, yeah. You can't Are they on Christian steroids? I Is that a thing? I think so. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, they, I don't know if they must be cheating because you can't work that out good naturally. Seven hours a day. I, I actually know, or I've six. talked to Craig enough to know that he's working out seven he, hours Oh, he is. A day. Okay, good. Yeah. Awesome. That is all good legit, dude. Cheers, that Craig That is all Rochelle. legit. We have actually talked about this on this I mean, podcast. Close. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not. Um, <laughs> not <laughs> so, um, but you know, imitation yeah. kills innovation. And yeah, what happens is uh, I think all of us, and we talked about this in uh, one of my favorite parts of the course is that you and I just do a couple of like spitballing unscripted Q and A's like yeah. this podcast where we tackle some big demons in preaching and issues. But I, I remember we talked about security. And a lot of us are insecure. A lot of us are just like, I need to be more like Andy. I need yeah. to be more like Craig. I need to yep. be more like Mark. And the reality is you need to be more like the person God created you to be. Yep. And we all, I mean, don't ever think that that goes away. There is never a level you reach where I, I think you're at the point where you're like, you know, unless you fully entrust that to Christ where, where you're like, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm a hundred percent cool with who we are. Cause we yeah. all wish we were different. What, let me well, ask you this. Yeah. We didn't talk about this. Yeah. Yet, of course. Yeah. What do you wish was different about you? Oh man. Yeah, this I know. I know. We're going can, I, can I just make one final you point of that totally last thing that. we're just hitting and you then I'll blow go to that? that no, no, no. It's a great question. It's a great question. And the, the list is long. Um, and I, I really think that if you're trying to be someone else, you're going to violate your audience and yourself. Yeah. So let me give you an example. Picture what Groeschel does. Right. Okay. So he's like classic, like sport coach, 
right? <laughs> right. He's a he's a football coach. He's, on got, the, he's got me in. He's, he's like, on the, I'm, I'm, I'm hyped up by the time I'm done. Yeah, but he's him. a coach. Yeah, he's a coach. Yeah. Right. Uh, Furtick, you know, has got his he's stomping around. He's mm. like that crowds like Woo! he's the drama. Whole time. Yeah, yeah the he's whole thing. doing the whole thing. Mm. He's a, and everything's rhyming. And that's a Madonna. You know, everything's like, OK, so picture Carrie Newhoff. Trying to preach like Furtick or Groeschel. It's not going to, you're going to scream at get to the 20 yard line. Everyone's going to, what's wrong with Carrie? Or like, right? It's like, what? What is happening? So it's going to violate you in the audience, man. So you can't try to ultimately imitate this stuff. You got to roll in who you are and understand that and play to it. So, anyways, how do you wish you were different? How do I wish I was different? Oh man. Well, I think as I listen to, you know, I'm trying to delve into the critics and what they say. Mm-hmm. I think I make people uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, which I don't always like. Uh, sometimes I feel like I'm not reaching enough non-Christians. Uh, I mean, my church is full of unchurched church people, but it's also full of church people at times. And I go, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm an evangelist. Um, mm. And yet, you know, am I supposed to, you know, so my style, I don't, I don't get people to do the classic, like raise your hand, say, say a prayer in this moment. So I can't, you know, that, you know, the tribe that counts salvations, like they're yeah, like, yeah. Hey, we had 32 this yeah, week. Right. Yeah. Or, or at Easter, Three. they always have like 957 salvations. I, I don't yeah. know. And so my theology, of course, gets in the way a bit because I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Like Jonathan right. Edwards' classic critique was, how do we even know those people? What do you, we might be setting people up for counterfeit conversions if all we expect from them is a hand raise and they actually go to hell thinking they were Christians. My hand was up. Yeah, yeah. so that's, da- yeah. that's dangerous on the one hand. Mm-hmm. Then never calling people to go, by the way, there's a line in the sand. You need to actually receive Christ right now. Mm-hmm. Um so there's that balancing act, right? And so I think I don't do that enough. I don't do the like I preach evangelistically like every week, but yeah, I and kind you're doing of baptisms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had 1300 baptisms in the last 8 years, which in Canada is crazy. Yeah, it we've is. had 700 since you know, we were talking about this in the course. Like mm-hmm. you can be an expository exegetical preacher through like I've been in Matthew for 3 years. And it doesn't mean you can't be evangelistic. We've seen 700 baptisms while I've been preaching through Matthew. So it's not like it's one or the other. Mm. So that's good, right? On the other hand, it's like, I don't know. I kind of like preach evangelistically. I'm like, so figure it out. You know, it's like, you need to receive Christ. By the way, just tell someone around here if you did. Anyway, I'm praying for you. You know, it's like, I never go, like, tell me right now in the the moment. So you're, you know, so I think that, I would like to have the guts. I think it's a courage issue. I don't know if oh, I have- Oh, it's the, totally a courage issue. I don't know issue. if I have the courage to oh, do that. Oh, gosh, I got to tell you. Like, I mean, Andy's yeah. our other preacher, right? Andy Stanley, so via video. And like, he'll do- Has he a, ever been to Barry, by the way? <laughs> no, but, but we will invite. We will extend the invitation. He's done some great videos for yeah, us, yeah. which is awesome. Uh, but Andy, Andy doesn't do it a lot, but once or twice a year, he'll be like, all right, I want you to stand. Right. And like that moment for me oh, as man. a preacher is like oh god an ex presbyterian oh. oh yeah an ex presbyterian <laughs> is like standing is enough charisma of its own you know i'm a, i'm a lawyer i'm a lawyer and an ex presbyterian i haven't felt anything got, in years yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
come on. I had my heart removed when I was a kid. Right, right. right so, um, you know, I, I, I look at him yeah. and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so much guts. Yeah. And then like people in courage. our church stand. Yeah. And I think if I do that, I'm like, right. Mm. Okay, the right. usher at the back on guest services, they're standing. I see Does your that hand. Count? I see your hand. I see you I out see there. And it's like you. the usher's like, what? Are you talking about anything. me? Because no one's standing. Yep, yeah, I see you. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone shut their eyes. Call it you. Close so that's eyes. definitely eyes. a weakness. And we've yeah. done it. I and mean, yeah. we've, seen, so we've I, seen people come I guess to Christ, I wish but... I was, you know, more like that, man. Yeah. You know what I wish I was? Yeah. And I was reminded of that filming the course. Yeah. Funnier. Right. Cause I, we, I laugh a lot like yeah, in life, yeah, but yeah. like when I put a microphone on and, right. and, and it was so funny because yeah. we had to take taping breaks because you were so funny. The crew <laughs> just like burst out laughing and like we had to reshoot. Like it was great. That never happens when, when, when I'm filming. It never does. It never does. Oh, I, oh. I think humor is uh you, you have humor. Everyone has a different. And like I said, in the course, like preachers, yeah. If they're looking like if they're looking to be funny, it's hard because it's a big matzo ball to throw out there if no one laughs. Yeah. So it's it risky. Is. If it's a joke. Yes, but that that's has why, never happened to me right. since three o'clock. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if 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 you weave it in my advice to preachers, weave it into a story, it's mm. a less risky way to be funny. And then yeah. you learn over time okay, people laugh at this and people laugh at that. And it's funny though, you know, we've talked about this before about how I reuse material and people will still laugh at a story they heard like three months ago. You said you won't tell, you won't reiterate or recycle a story in a sermon for years. Yeah. Bro, I'll use one from- Three weeks ago. Four weeks ago. And yeah. it's they're laughing like they never heard it, which makes me doubt my own communication <laughs> style. <by laughs> I'm way. not a very good Holy preacher. Smokes, these people that actually never heard this preacher. the first time. This yeah. is insane. No, you know what? It's since we've had that conversation on this podcast, I've changed that. Yeah. And you're right. Yeah. I'll reuse content. It was funny because one piece of feedback I had, I was reusing content and like, you know, I'm always looking for like feedback, feedback. And one guy was like, said to me, I won't say who, he's just like, man, I heard you use stories you've never used before. And I'm like, you're not even listening. Right, right. Cause I totally <laughs> use that. Yeah, I totally yeah. just use that. Right. Yeah. But they don't apparently, I don't know. I don't even know what the deduction there is either. They're very gracious <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> Oh Mark, you're so funny. Why is this guy using this story again? Or they literally didn't hear it the first time. Or it's that it's that good that they're just like, oh, I remember this and I'm laughing still, even though I already know this. So mm -hmm. I don't know. But anyways, so uh, those are some things. I and when I look at you and your style, it's just so uh, you're the kind, you know, you know what? I have so many non-Christian friends. Yeah. This is the tension I live in. Okay. okay? I, I have so many non-Christian friends and so many non-Christian family members. I come from a non-Christian family. Yep. Right? And I say to myself, and this is this is an encouragement to you. Um, I say to myself, Carrie's church is the kind of church. See, I get up and I scream at everybody right <laughs> now. People get it. It's Which punch is and really play. entertaining. It's I mean, punch I love and play, it is. right? It's exhortation. It's the classic like prophetic posture where calling out this, calling out that and having fun, but being serious and all that. And I just don't think half my family or friends would actually like get it. Mm. where I think they would come to Christ in a church like yours. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And we're not that far from your family. Yeah. We're like an hour away. Right. 
You know, and it's it's funny because I mean, just just being totally transparent, I'm listening to you do the course. I've listened to you preach. I mean, I've been to your church. I've met your staff, and I'm like, oh gosh, if I could be like that, like we'd be a church of five thousand too. So it, that never goes away. That's a chase, yeah. right? I don't think there's five thousand people around here. Uh, yeah, you, <laughs> I think you've been to my house. Of, you're I think in the my size house. Of your church mm-hmm. is very large compared to where you live. Yeah, you know what? I appreciate that. And and it's there all is truth. Contextual. It's where, it's where God called us. Yeah. I mean, you literally when we drove you and Aaron to my house, it's like there's nobody here. You have a lake. You right. have and like there's no a barn people. and there's a there's a horse barn. running around. <laughs> well, the horse free. is still a pagan. <laughs> the horses are still free <laughs> here. <laughs> they just freely roam. It's like the revenant around here. <laughs> so a church, saw some guy eating raw bison outside. <laughs> a church of many people in the middle of <laughs> yeah. nowhere, right? It's like, but hey. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Yeah. I don't know. You yeah. know what? God called yeah. us here 23 years ago, and that's... That's an encouragement to people. I have a friend, Matt Braun, in Ohio, Van Wert, Ohio. Town is like 10,000 people. He has a church of 1,200 in a town of 10,000. The guy is like unbelievable. That's amazing. uh, I got to have one on this podcast. And that's the issue. 5,000, 1,500, 20,000, whatever. I don't, what I care about at the end of the day when I'm driving home from my office is who I'm Mm -hmm. looking at are all the people in those cars. Don't go to my church. Right. And they don't know Jesus. Yeah. That's what I think about day in and day out. I don't think about how many people go to my church. Because A, I mean, between you know us, Christians are fickle. Mm. And you know whatever church opens up down the road, whatever, people are gone. <laughs> There's a now. younger, better looking guy down the road. Exactly. So, I mean, whatever. That's not, it's like, you got to just keep going after who's not there um, and doing whatever it takes to reach people with whatever you got, with the time God's given you by whatever means possible and, uh, to reach the unchurched, that's what your heart has to break for, not how many people are in your church. And so I think that a preaching that couples, and this is what we were talking about in the course, uh, really good discipleship and theological development, because you need that. Like I mentioned in the course, if you don't have that, then you have, you know, your 1500 people sitting there still kind of, I don't know the analogy here, but basically they haven't weaned themselves off you. They're like, let's bring my friend to hear Carrie because he's mm-hmm. a great evangelist. And that's great. Of course, there's the Billy Grahams of the world, the Whitfields, the Ravis. There's a place for that. But imagine you could you could equip these 1,500 people to be those evangelists. Yeah, That's, I'm telling you, in the next 20, 30 years, that's where the missiological movement's gonna happen. It ain't by... Guys like us come and go. There's only so much video. There's only so many seats. It's the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry that's actually going to reach our country, not putting a couple good communicators on stage. I've been really challenged with that lately. I'm so glad you raised that because I think that is the potential. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. I've been thinking about multiplying churches. Maybe it's, you know, Dave Ferguson and I from Community Christian. We had dinner like a week ago before the recording of this. And uh, I was at his church with my wife in Chicago, and I know over pizza, Chicago pizza, yeah, the yeah. best. Deep dish. Um, it was Deep so good. Dish. <laughs> See, you can you put a can so you put a can you put a thing on my yeah, voice, Toby? Can Deep, you like amplify his voice? Deep dish. Deep dish. That's good. <laughs> we had a lot of fun filming this course. Can I just say that? I don't think I'll ever do another solo course again. It was just too much fun. Like we we spent when we weren't filming, we were laughing. It was yeah, great. It was good. Anyway, it was good. So but you know Chicago, that, that idea you're in Chicago talking of like to your Christian celebrity friends, and then what happened? Equipping. <laughs> thank you, Mark. 
glad you're my friend. <laughs> um, <laughs> so me and J.I. were out the other day, Packer, <laughs> and, and we Packer. were talking and I said, Didn't hey, J.I., let me ask you, what were you thinking about when you wrote Knowing God? Because, you know, it's kind of a five out of ten. And he was like, oh, I was thinking about how to <laughs> take the ideas of Paul and make them. Did you, <laughs> did you not study under him? Or was he gone? You know by the time what? He was done? he was gone by the he was time done. he was did coming and going under- like summer courses, and I didn't. I never went. Oh wow! I was, Peterson, did you study under? No, Peterson I, know, I missed region? Peterson too. Wow, wow! Yeah, I missed. I missed. Uh, I got a few really good guys, but I missed yeah. some of the big, some of the big region, big hitters. I missed. Mm-hmm. But that's your education, anyway. Anyway, yeah, I think so you're a big, right. A big you, influence on me has been Jeff Vanderstel, and you should have mm-hmm. him on here one day if you don't I know will, who he is. He totally. is an amazing. I've heard good things about amazing, but I don't know. And his concern for for us, guys like us, is we can be great evangelists, and he loves that. And he thinks there's a place for that. He thinks Sundays are important. He's not saying that. He's saying, what's the church doing the other six or seven days of the week? And are we spending our time coaching and equipping the saints to go out and be the evangelists? Or are we just saying, we're good at it? Mm-hmm. So just come and, you know, he's like, that's... He's like, look back, and, and this is Vanderstelt's critique, not mine necessarily, but I think there's a there's something in it. He goes, look back to Spurgeon, look back to Lloyd Jones, look back to these guys. He said he asks the question, what is the impact that they actually had on their culture? Was it lasting, mm-hmm. or did they kill it in their moment? But there was not much to show for it. Yeah. I'm not saying that's the conclusion. Yeah. I'm just saying it's a legitimate question to that ask. That is a great question, yeah. you know. What's and the next 30, 40 years look like in Canada in regard to mission and evangelism? And I worry about that yeah. because, you know, the goal is not to get 1,500 people in the room or, or in America, case, 5,000 yeah. people in the room right. or 20,000 people in the room. Uh, the, the real potential is yeah. equipping those people. And I yeah. know Dave Ferguson's on that mission and lots of other people are on that mission. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's great. And that's really convicting to me. Yeah. Now, but where this course comes in and is still relevant mm-hmm. is it starts with the preacher being able to exemplify or, or be an example of that on the stage every week and being yeah. able to do that well. So that was the heart behind, part of the heart behind the course was how do you disciple on the one hand and do evangelism on the other and be an example of that for your people in their everyday life. But you got to start with you. You got to be good at it first. Tell the golf story that you told in the course, you uh, know, where you met those guys. Oh yeah. Was that yeah in Vancouver. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So I this was, is a great story. So, so in regard to preachers taking a holistic approach to life and, and looking at a, their whole life as a pool out of which to draw sermons. Warning, this may offend some listeners. Welcome to Canada. Right. So, <laughs> So I made this point in a, in a sermon. I was preaching through a passage and the passage had Pharisees in it. Mm-hmm. So obviously Pharisees are people who kind of compartmentalize their religion and they, they knew all the right things, but they didn't actually live it out. So, and so. so I was like, okay, what? So I'm in Palm Springs at my friend's house and we we're playing golf and he had to go home. So I was like, well, I want to keep playing. So I joined, I pulled my card up to this group. I said, can I play with you guys? And they said, well, uh, yeah, you can play with us. Just don't be a jerk. It's not what they, that's not the language they use, but you have nice Christian people <laughs> yeah, on yeah. your podcast. So yeah. I was like, no, cool, whatever. Listening. Right. Yeah. So whatever. So they're all, as I pull up, there's like big puffs of smoke. There's music playing, which it tends not to happen on a golf course. Yeah. It tends like, not boom, to. Boom, boom, 
boom, boom, boom, out of their golf cart. And they're like, just don't be a jerk, man. I'm like, all right, whatever. So they're smoking these big joints. And I was like, okay. And they're just getting hammered, you know, beers everywhere. So anyway, I tee off and they're like, and we start walking, you know, driving up the fairway. They're like, yo, man, you want some, you want some weed? I'm like, no, no, I'm good. I'm fine. They're like, come on, come on. Just take some weed, bro. I was like, no, no, I'm fine. So the next hole, they're like, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from Vancouver, Canada. They're like, oh. They're like, I'm from Vancouver, Canada. What do you do? And I'm like, I'm a pastor. They're like, what church? And I told them, they're like, they went white. And they're like, oh my goodness, we know that church. We have friends who go to that church, you know? And <laughs> and so, and I'm like, guys, hey, what happens in Palm Springs stays in Palm Springs. Don't even, I even delete your names from my brain right now. So the point that I tried to make was, imagine I compartmentalized my life. Mm. Imagine I kept my faith in my pastorhood, you know, in Canada. And when I went to Palm Springs, I just smoked joints and got hammered. Now I'm in a situation where someone asked me about it and I'm like, oh, I don't know. And so immediately I knew 10 seconds after that happened that that was going to make the sermon that week. Wow. I knew it. The minute they asked me to smoke a joint, fine. I was like, whatever. But then the minute they asked me who I was, what I did, and that we knew each other, I realized this is a sermon illustration. So the point was, is for preachers to always be thinking in all of life. Imagine you compartmentalized your life and you lived as a righteous pastor up here, but when you went down to Palm Springs, you threw that all away, smoked joints, whatever. Now that would come back to haunt you. Don't compartmentalize your life. I knew that was a sermon illustration the moment it happened. That's how all communicators, preachers, thinkers, leaders should live their life. Draw it from life at every moment. So anyway, that was the story. No, I and you. I think what that does for your congregation is it models you, number one, as a real person. Number two, as somebody who um, easily could have made a different choice. And third, as, as like, wow, this stuff comes full circle. Like you're in Palm Springs. Who knew that they would know people at your church? And who knows the impact of what you're going to say, what you're going to do, or yeah, yeah. how you live? Because that's a real, real challenge. Yep. I want to ask you, and we've talked a little bit about the whole Saturday night thing before on this podcast, but what tends to be the hardest part of sermon prep for you? Is it coming up with an idea? Is it um, figuring out the angle? Is it the actual no, process? Because I don't, because I just do Bible books. So that, yeah, those yeah. would be challenges that you would have more probably in your situation yeah, where you're we're like, topical. Yeah. And that's so, part of what I love about this is like, I'm a topical guy and you're like exegetical expository. It's yeah. Not and that, that I'm played not exegetical. Out, yeah. Of but. course. That played out in the series too, yeah. where it was like, it had this like lessons from this, lessons from that. So those aren't my tensions. Those would be my tensions if I was doing what you're doing. Right. I would be racking my brain that's why i don't do it <laughs> i'd be going what what am i supposed to do you know let's do you know i would go crazy so it's like okay i'm in a book boom agenda set i i the agenda is whatever the book brings up matthew wants to bring up a prostitute that he wants to hang out with or jesus wants to hang out with <laughs> matthew then that's what i'm preaching about hey guys we're all prostitutes we all cheat on jesus every day but good thing jesus is jesus you know whatever so the agenda set for mm. me so that's not my struggle don't tell anybody this, Carrie. I mean, you asked the question, but the, it's preaching and sermon prep in particular and preaching are the parts about my job I like the least. Yeah. It is a crucial, it is, it is a burden. It is the bane of my existence. Um, but it is what God's called me to do. And so I love strategizing vision I love being in meetings, strategizing about things. I love the 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 communication stuff. I love marketing. I love reading. I love writing. Um, but man, 
you put me, I love people, I'm an extrovert. So you put me alone and go, okay, now you gotta write this thing out, 12 mm. pages, and then methodically memorize it by yourself from five o'clock to midnight every Saturday for the rest of your life. I've been doing this, <laughs> I planted the church eight years ago. I've been doing this eight years. I walk away from my family every Saturday night at five o'clock. I got three little girls. That is, that's a cross, man. Yeah. That is a painful experience. Um, but then you see the fruit of it and you're like, so to be honest, the whole, the whole sermon process is, is the, is the hardest thing to me about my job. Well, and we did a whole session on like the spiritual dimensions of preaching yeah, and, and I can relate to that. You know, Stephen Pressfield talks about uh, the resistance. He's not a Christian, just calls it the resistance. He says, anytime you create art, anytime yeah. you try to do something, there's just this resistance. I mean, you will go and organize your closets. You will, uh, you know, mm -hmm. you will wander around yep. doing whatever you need to do. Now, as Christians, we understand that to be spiritual interference. Mm -hmm. We understand that there's a force of good. It's a good way there's of a force it. that yep. opposes good. Yep. Yeah, it's spiritual it interference. <laughs> and I, I find that for me, honestly, happens... I get really excited about ideas, mm. but then to actually commit to it. So yeah. when I'm writing a series, and uh, I know this will probably air long after Easter, but we're recording it well before, and I'm I'm in a place where like I got to write it, I got the idea, but like now I've actually got to commit to paper, yeah. and I know that that is going to be a challenge. Yeah. I know that that is going to be like ah, do I really want to do this? Yeah, and then and then okay, I've got that done. I feel good about it, and then I got to go actually write the teaching screens, and so I write what appears on the TV, and that's sort of the big outline. I write the small group questions, but then even further, like I've got to fill it in with stories. I got to fill it in, and you know, it's rarely that that isn't a battle. Yep. It's really, even my book, you know, you oh. and I have both written books, like, oh my gosh. I mean, you're in the middle of your next one. Can I say what it is? Yeah. Problem of marriage. Yeah. Well, um, I, I don't know if they're going to go for it. Well, hey, let me, let me, your let, let me throw a subtitle by you. Go ahead. So, did I tell you my subtitle? Oh maybe? yeah, 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 yeah. It's really good. Sure. Why, what is it again? Why, uh, why, what, why, why, why wives what? get it wrong and husbands don't get it. <laughs> That is such a good subtitle. I, it's a bit of a steal for, I'm going to probably have to get permission from a political book I read one time. Okay. But uh, anyway, let's say it. Yes. But anyway, we're in the throes of that. And it's, uh, Husbands don't it is it. a, yeah, no. No, but you know, you're, you, you, <laughs> go down tell them what you did. Trail? Tell them what you did. Cause we were texting well, about well, this. One. What? How many words was your opening chapter? Well, the, the, the <laughs> this is funny. No, no. So they needed a sample chapter to sell the book. Yeah. Yeah. Like to a publisher. So, which still hasn't happened yet. So, uh, at this recording, I hope, you know, by mm -hmm. the time this plays, maybe there will it will. Be who knows? Who knows? Yeah. So, um, so they need a sample chapter to show, you know, potential publishers. And so they said, write a sample chapter. So I wrote a chapter on communication and marriage. You know, I'm going to do a, a book on marriage. It's based on a bunch of content I've preached over the last couple of years on sermon series and so on. So I, I wrote a sample chapter on communication and the sample chapter is 20,000 words. Now, I love so most hard people, at this text. It's a communication chapter, <laughs> 20,000 words. So okay. my, anyway, my pre-editor. Pre mm -hmm. That's a book, dude. Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's half a book. a book or a book. It's yeah. called so, a book. Yeah. So that's anyways, my pre-editor got it down to 6,000. <laughs> right? And you were mad at her. Yeah, because I'm now going back and rejecting all of her. Uh, her suggestions. That's why I'm putting you need it to do what I in. did. So I've got it sitting at 14,000 right now <laughs> for a sample chapter. It's all gold, Carrie. That's kill what, your, that's what these darlings. editors don't understand. On, it's Stephen all King. necessary. No. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> so, so now you're there. You know, I had them for the final edition of Didn't See It Coming. I had them not track changes. It's like, right. send me a clean version. I couldn't and, do that. Well, I know, but it's so hard because what I would me. do, they only cut 4,000 of my words. Right. Yeah, because your words, my words better, were right, better and more Yeah, precise. thank you for yes, saying that. Yes, yes. Um, but but <laughs> you can tell I we love have a friendship. But yeah. anyway, uh, you know what? It's really hard because you get attached to that, right? You get so emotionally attached. And there was only twice where I could tell, I don't think I wrote that. And then I went back to the original version. It's like, oh, I got to change right. it back. Do you think they'd at this point take a proposal for a marriage textbook? Oh, yeah. Every guy in the universe. Like the Center Church of Marriage. Yeah. Uh, Are you familiar with Center Church by Tim Keller? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. The textbook yeah, yeah. on the textbook. everything. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, and the fonts. Right. Like, like seven. Mm-hmm. And it's very thick and it's a hard cover. It's like one of those textbooks you used to read in like geography class where you like open up, you're like, this is Russia. Oh. Like, what if I did one of those on marriage? It would sell. 14 copies. Yeah. And no guys, <laughs> zero guys. I'm just telling you, no, no, they would buy it to joking. be impressive. I know. I, know. Uh, I gotta get it down. It. Anyway, what were we talking about? So we were talking about preaching. Who's running this show? Um, t- clearly, <laughs> clearly not me anymore. <laughs> I think this has been it's hijacked. Been, it's been hijacked. <laughs> it's been hijacked. Um, t- talk about yeah. some of the other things that you most enjoyed, uh, in the course, some of the yeah. highlights for you. Uh, yeah, the interaction, the Q&A, the FAQs that came in, 150 questions that came in through your social. Yeah, thank you to all yeah. of the leaders who submitted. And top, top question is something that is your like bread and butter, uh, how to preach without notes. And that's, I think, comes from a spirit and an impulse of we know we need to communicate with eye contact. We know reading a bunch of manuscript notes, standing up in front of people is probably not going to work much in the next bunch of years, um, depending on who you are. I mean, look, um, if you get up and you're a packer, a piper, it can work. It can work. Dr. Oh, yeah. Dr. Lloyd-Jones. I mean, but what I'm saying is is the up-and-coming preachers the next 20, 30 years, you know, Stott, Stott even, these guys, I mean, they, they read their notes, but they're, but they're those guys. I mean, what mm-hmm. are you, you going to do? Critique John Stott? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's like in the next 20, 30 the way media, the way our brains work, you got to be able to really, I, I think that's one issue, but that, I think that's actually the shallower of the issues, the eye contact thing. What do you what think I the real think, thing is? I think the real thing is, the reason I obsess on Saturday, you know what I'm thinking about on Saturday night when I'm trying to memorize mm-hmm. all this stuff? The only thing I'm thinking about is, I want this audience to feel like I'm talking to them about my, about stuff I know about God right? Mm. Like I'm talking about God, the most important thing in my life. I'm talking about my relationship with God. I'm talking about theology. Why would I need to look down at a note to talk to you about the most important thing in my life? Totally. You should just be able to tell me stuff from your life. And that's the main motivator for me is I want it to feel like, man, this is just bleeding out of who he is. Which 100%. takes prep when, when, all, when you actually have to do this for 30 years every week. It doesn't take mm-hmm. prep if you got to do it six times. Yeah, yeah. You know, then whatever. Yeah, but otherwise, you're right. If you don't prepare. It's a marathon. Yeah, I mean, anybody yeah. could get up probably and fill 30 to 40 minutes of air 
100%. But the problem is, and I think you mentioned this at some point, is you're going to fill it with the same stuff over and over again because you got eight ideas. Yeah, so you got to restrict. You got to not say that. Don't mm-hmm. say that. Don't say, save that for next week. You know. Yeah. So let me let me share with you yeah. why I think it's so important to preach without using notes to yeah. the extent yeah. that you can. And you and I both have very different methodologies, mm-hmm. which we outline in the course. Mm-hmm. Um, so you they get actually, us to the same place, though. They take us yeah. to the same place. Yeah. You're a full manuscript guy. I'm a bullet point guy. Shock. Um, you know, but your full manuscript, but I've seen you use, like I've listened and I've watched you. It's all there, but you barely touch on it. I mean, if you, if you're spending more than 3% looking at your iPad, I'm, I'm shocked. I don't think it's 3%. I think it might be 1% mark, Um, but it's all there just to, just to tip your memory or you're reading a quote or whatever it's there. But here's why I think it's so important. Number one, authenticity is, I know it's probably almost at the level of being overused, but at the end of the day, people are spun, people are hyped, and there's already a built-in institutional bias, this Mm -hmm. idea that um, I don't believe what you believe, and I don't think you believe it. You're probably in it for the money, Clark, Mm -hmm. so I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure you are, or your church is in it for the money, or you're just trying to dupe me into some system. Mm -hmm. And if you're there reading from your notes, even in a small church, even in a small church, it's like, "I I don't find you believable. One of my favorite moments in the last five years at Conexus is we have uh, provincial police, like state police headquarters, literally 10 minutes from one of our campuses. So uh, our neighborhood's crawling with cops, which is a good thing. And we have lots of them at one of our locations. And there's a guy who actually in our state, our province, is um, one of the top guys in like uh, forensics on lying. So he just, all of his life, he just listens to testimonies, meets witnesses and goes, that guy's lying. That guy's telling the truth. Anyway, a friend invites him to church. I think it was his spouse invited him to church. He's not a believer. And his critique of my preaching was simply this, as it came back to me. He said, I don't, I don't believe what that guy, aka me, I don't believe what that guy believes, but I can tell you for sure that he believes it. And that's from like the top lie detective guy in in the province. And I think that's what's at stake. And for whatever reason, if you're reading from your notes, if you're unsure, I don't think they believe you as much. Mm-hmm. Secondly, you are going to make eye contact. And I look at that not just from, oh, I want to be a good communicator. Mm-hmm. I'm getting feedback from the audience. Um, yep. You know, yeah. I, I'm I'm looking to see who's fallen asleep, who's tracking, who's worried, who's nervous, who's who's sitting on the edge of their seat, who's in the house. And actually, one of my techniques is uh, while the title package is playing, I usually have to be on stage for about five or 10, 15 seconds. I will pick someone in the crowd I don't know, whether they're an atheist or not. I just pretend they are. And then I preach to them. And so I'm watching their reaction. I'm trying to win over the cynic. I'm trying to win over the person there. So it's as much for me as motivation. And then another thing, I think you're going to be a lot more natural. Like, I don't even have questions for this podcast because literally we just wrapped up two days of filming for this um, uh, Art of Better Preaching course. But you're just more authentic. It's unscripted. And people are like, wow, this is real. I think that also leads to your body mannerisms are going to be a lot more natural. They're going to be a lot more flowing, a lot more inclusive. And then finally, there's no barrier between you and the audience. Yeah. Well, I had, I remember I took, I did, I took I, a preach one preaching course in college. I don't know yeah. what we talked about. I don't remember. And I would actually <laughs> probably, I don't know. It'd be interesting to explore what your thoughts are, whether guys are going to, you know, take preaching courses, but 
I didn't learn anything. I just remember that I, at the at the course. I mean, I'm sure there was things that came in. I'm just I'm just saying I don't think about them anymore. Is what mm-hmm. I mean. I didn't mean to, that to sound pompous or something. I just mean it was it was old school kind of. It was like you take your this, then you do your this, then you do your you know, and you make sure. And I remember the critique that came back was, um, your movements have to be deliberate. And I said, what do you mean? He's like, well, you mean you, if like you're going to your raise movements? your hand up, Mark, if you're going to raise your hand up from the pulpit, um, it's got to be at a time when you really want to try to make a point. So you're going to raise your hand up to make a point. But if you keep raising your hand up, everyone's going to be distracted because it's too much raising your hand up. Oh, I remember that. See, this kind of stuff is like, what are we talking about? Like <laughs> 20 years later, I look back and I go, is this really what we were worried? Like, this is not this is not a thing yeah like we you know i so I, anyway i, I, had I don't know what to do great with that. preaching prof yeah. he was one of my favorites yeah. he was somebody who in a mainline institution believed the bible believed yeah. jesus rose from the dead he was a lifeline for us and a good friend but i had a variety of preaching profs and i remember that one guy stephen ferris was like the best uh, but i had some others who said things like this is one thing i learned in one of my preaching courses which was uh, never, ever give application. Mm. In other words, just tell them what they need to know, and that's all you need to do. Don't insult the listener by giving them application. Well, you know, I I realize that doesn't work, number one. Number two, nobody's listening. Number three, nobody's going to figure out how to connect the dots. It's not that people are stupid. It's just like, help me out here. And I remember listening to Rick Warren early on in my ministry, and years ago, probably in the 90s, Rick Warren said, Mm. listen, you know what? How much of your sermon should be application? 70%. Start with application, middle application, end with application. Couldn't agree more. The more you apply, the more people that establish, and as Andy Stanley says, Mm -hmm. you know, why do they need to know it? Why do they need to do it? Mm -hmm. That established relevance. It's Mm -hmm. like, listen, dude, if you don't pay attention, your marriage is going down. If you don't, if you don't really, if you don't know where your money is going, to quote Andy, um, how do you? How are you going to stand before God one day, and give an account yeah. for for how you've used money? Yeah. And well, I, I think I mean take the regular. If you're if you're actually trying to do reach non Christians, yeah. There's this analogy from one of my mentors, Larry Osborne, from Sticky Teams or Sticky Church, one of the two Stickies. He's got four, five Stickies, I think. Um, so Sticky Church, I think it is. And the, and the, and the chapter, I think it's both. Sticky yeah, Church, Sticky, sticky Teams. Yeah. So he's an amazing, he's the Yoda. He's my he Yoda, amazing. right? He's like, I got a problem. I call him up. He's like, Rrr. you know, and he just gets. So anyways, in that, uh, that was a Yoda noise for those who didn't pick that up. Um, so uh, so something. he, uh, so he gives this great advice where he says, look, um, someone comes into a small group, they're not Christians and they walk in and all you're doing is talking about the deep, 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 deep things of the doctrinal eschatological movement of the soteriological movement of the technopoly, whatever. Uh, what is that like? Well, what that's like is like if you got invited to uh, a coffee shop and you walked in with eight guys and they were all film buffs and they were talking about a 1920s silent black and white film (laughs) and they wanted to talk about the nuance of it, what would you do? You would sit, say nothing, leave and never go back because you don't know anything about it. There is no shared experience that you have at all with that content. Right. So when someone comes into your church and you're talking insider language, 
you might as well be talking about the nuance of Charlie Chaplin's whatever, because they don't know and they're not going to come back. But if somehow you can make that world that is ancient live for those people every moment, because that's, it's a sin to make the Bible boring. Mm-hmm. It's not boring. No. Like when you read Ezekiel, it can get a little chuggy, <laughs> but if you go, if you're honest, if you go figure out the stuff, what's actually being talked about, like it's not an alien ship with wheels and a horse face or whatever, but it's like got this apocalyptic genre. You do all the work, all the boring stuff, then bring it out and talk about the meaning of it. Like tell them how you got there for like a minute, 30 seconds. And then boom, here's what it means. Here's what it meant to Ezekiel as he was sitting there prophesying to Israel. They're sitting in exile. And boom, what does it mean for your life? How have you been unfaithful? You know, that is life-giving, you know, for anybody to mm-hmm. listen to. And that's our role. That's our job. Yeah. One, one of the things, and maybe we'll we'll close this podcast there, is uh, you and I both speak to unchurched people every single weekend. And that was one of the reasons I really wanted to do this course. So you do a unit on your approach. I do a unit on my approach, which is which is different, but not that different. And you tend to be, I'm in a book of the Bible. You've been in Matthew for three years. I joke that it's 30 um, but you know, you've been in there forever. We do series, the whole deal. And yet you, God has used you very powerfully to reach unchurched people. And by the grace of God, he's used us to reach some unchurched people too. Talk about your approach to reaching the unchurched. Well, I think it's gotta be you, when you're prepping, you mm-hmm. have those people in your brain and you go, you have to reach and keep engaged the hardest I don't know if this is a phrase, hardest common denominator. That's probably not a phrase, but you understand what I'm saying? The, yeah, the lowest the person, common denominator. Yeah, the person that's yeah. hardest to reach, not the person that's easiest to reach. Right, right. You know, I have preachers come up to me and they're like, you know, in the five sermons I've preached, I think I should go out and be a preacher in my life. And I'm like, oh, why? And they say, because, you know, I got a lot of positive feedback. And I was like, <laughs> like what? And there's like, well, like tons of people came forward and said it was an amazing sermon. It's like, and all of those people were probably Christians. And people who know you and whatever. And so it's like, you got to take it up a notch and go, what is it actually like to take Ezekiel and connect it to an unchurched person who doesn't believe any of this? That's the challenge. Mm -hmm. So when you're prepping on a Friday afternoon or whatever your day is or days are, don't picture Christian Joe. Yes, of course. Don't hear me saying you're, I mean, part of preaching is discipling Christian Joe, hundred percent. That's a great commission. Make disciples, not converts. So I'm not saying that the, the only thing is get a convert. That's your sermon. You have to disciple the church so they can be missionaries going back to my other point. So you have to disciple them. You have to teach them the same time. You got to go, what's, who's the hardest guy to reach that I know. So I have like this, I have people in my brain, like literally people who I write these sermons and they're my conversation partner. Yeah, me too. So when I read a text and it says Jesus was hanging out with the Pharisees, I go, that guy would not know what a Pharisee is and he doesn't care. So why don't I tell him historically who it is, but then go, it's like today, the people who are Bible teachers and people, you know, and quickly make it about, you know, them and their life, you know? So it's a constant, I don't think it's like, a static movement of phases. I think it's a, it's a, a constant flow of, of you're just going with the spirit of the text and you're coming in and out, you're coming in and out, you're coming in and out. as the text moves you forward, you're constantly going, here's what it means. And then here, so anyway, that's how I reach unchurched people is I preach through biblical texts, but I'm constantly in and out of 
take what it means, apply it, take what it means, apply it, go, go, go. And it's a flow of thought, um, not just a static movement. No, I think that's so rich. And, you know, one of the things I talk about in my unit is simply this. It's like get inside the head of an unchurched person. To do that, it's not that hard. Get inside your head. Yeah, totally. um, because I don't think there's churched and unchurched yeah. issues. I think there are people issues. Yeah, and Christians struggle in their marriage. Yeah. Non-Christians struggle in their marriage. Christians struggle with money. Non-Christians oh, struggle with money. I don't. My marriage no, you is don't, perfect. You don't have That's any why I'm problems. writing a book on it. <clears throat> Excuse me. One of the units the was problem uh, of people marriage. resonate with your. No, wait. What was it? <laughs> People admire your strengths, resonate with your weaknesses. Yes. So, yes. And you we both lead, believe you got to preach from a limp, man. Yeah. We, we, we tell stories that yeah. embarrass us, yeah. don't we? So we do that. And, um, you know, I think if you can get inside your head, then that is yeah. a powerful way of getting inside the head totally. of all people. Like yeah. if you struggle with it in your marriage, if you struggle yeah. with insecurity, other yeah. people are struggling with it. If you yeah. have negative doubts, messages that loop mess, back, yep. your tet, yeah. your, your, your doubts, you know, all of that. I think I think that's a real challenge. So, Mark, uh, the course is called the Art of Better Preaching, and what why we called it that is because we want to take you know good is the enemy of great. Jim Collins mm-hmm. said, right? Mediocrity. We don't want to settle for that, and so you know we want to take preachers all across the Western world as many as that will you know buy the course and right. watch it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. all across the intercontinental U.S. And, and try to move us from being good preachers to great preachers, which means we got to work on our craft, which means we got to figure out some methodology, some philosophy, some techniques, some how-tos. We go through all of that uh, to move us from possibly good preachers to great preachers. And so, But it is an art, and there is yeah. a science to it. And so we wanted to represent that and say, how do we, it, it is an art form what we do. And, um, and we want to, and we want to take that art. It is an art of preaching. Um, what we're doing with an audio art, you're speaking to the church, you're speaking to a city, you're discipling people, you're reaching people. There's so much actually happening. We even talk about the spiritual dynamics of what's happening in the room spiritually when you're doing this act and how important the act is on a spiritual level. Um, and so I think it's going to help a lot of preachers and leaders become better communicators. Yeah, that's the hope for sure. And we do cover uh, like theology. We cover hermeneutic, how to preach the, you know, approach the text. Mm-hmm. We also talk about how to deliver a talk without using notes. Mm-hmm. We talk about team preaching and how do you do that and working with a team. We get into the mechanics of actually writing a message, the prep process, and then even the spiritual dynamics behind it, how to keep fresh over the long haul, because you've done this for 20 years. I've done it for a little bit longer, like 25. And, um, you know, we've seen God use radically different styles for a powerful purpose. So I'm really hoping God uses it in a big way to help leaders. And again, if we can help leaders, we help churches. So Mark, once again, I know this won't be the last time, but great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me, brother. You're doing a great thing. You know, one of the things I love is imitation is a a big problem in the church today because we all kind of wish we were somebody else. And Mark and I talked about that, but we are just so different in our style and in our personality, uh, but we get along famously. And I think that's one of the strengths of the art of better preaching is that, um, you know, Mark's approach is different. He did half the units. I did half the units. And I think they complement each other. And and part of that, it's a little bit like muscle confusion in, in, if you're training in the gym. Uh, you're going to see different styles. And what that will do, rather than imitating me or imitating Mark, I think it'll help you find your voice, which is kind of our goal. That's what we want you to do. And this week, not only do we have some bonus podcasts coming up, 
later this week all around the subject of communication because I want to make you the best you can be. But the course is a done-for-you, downloadable, interactive workbook, uh, videos that you can watch on demand from Mark and I. You can learn more at theartofbetterpreaching.com. And of course, if you act now, you're going to get the best price. Uh, This pricing is available for a limited time only. It is going to go up in a matter of days. So head on over to theartofbetterpreaching.com where you can learn more. Uh, And we're back with a couple of bonus episodes. You know what? If you subscribe, you're going to get them automatically. Uh, But next week, we are back with our regularly scheduled episode. And I have a fascinating conversation with Kristen Ivey. She is the executive director of messaging at Orange, the Rethink Group. A lot of you in that world know her. And the rest of you need to get to know her. She and I actually sat down in Atlanta and had a conversation uh, where we really talked about like the personal side of leadership, parenting, divorce. Um, her parents divorced when she was younger. We talk about the impact that that has and just the whole aspect of like how to parent well, because so many of you are parents. And again, if you care for the leader as a person, you end up with a better leader. And with that in mind, here's a snippet from my conversation with Kristen Ivey. You know, I think it also shaped my view of parenting and my my view of grace, if I'm honest, because I can look back and go, hey, our mess in our family was just really more public than a lot of a lot of people's because, you know, I can't look at them and go, you know, I mean, yeah, sure, their marriage didn't work out. And there's there's stuff that came out in the divorce that, you know, was a part of their relationship that maybe you know, isn't ideal, but all that means is a lot of their mess got made more public than a lot of other people's messes. So I don't have any assumptions or presumptions about my family was perfect. I know they weren't perfect, and so does everybody else. But at the same time, I go back in my mind to our childhood, and we had a great childhood. My father was a great father. He was very attentive. Um, He always believed the best in us. He gave us language. He challenged us. I mean, I always knew that my father— valued and respected me as a woman. And I think that went really far. I can go to my mom and my mom gave us a love of literature and books and nurture. And um, there's so many positive things that they did in my life that for me to just go label our family experience like it was just the divorce, you know, erases everything positive that they that they gave to me. And I don't I don't think we can do that. That's coming up next week on Tuesday. In the meantime, I am back this week with an Ask Carrie, which is all about your questions on public speaking, more than Mark and I tackled uh, today. And then Danielle Strickland, honestly, one of the best communicators I've ever heard in my life. And I I don't say that lightly. Uh, And I sat down with her and just asked her, how do you do it? So that's a bonus episode. That's actually... uh, Uh, a repeat from an episode that I did on the Canadian Church Leaders podcast, which is now on hiatus so that I can spend more time building into you on this platform. And you're going to hear from Danielle as well. Remember, subscribing is free. So whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, soon Spotify, um, you're going to be able to get all that. Yeah, we are working on Spotify. It should be up this summer. And uh, we just want to get this podcast out to more and more leaders. Thank you so much for making it such a rewarding journey. You guys, you're the best. Uh, Enjoy this early season of summer. It is my favorite time of year. Uh, Get out and do what you love. And uh, wherever you are, just uh, we got almost 200 episodes of like leadership fuel. So put in your 
earbuds and uh, and listen and catch up on some back episodes. We're back a couple times this week and again next Tuesday with a fresh episode. Thanks so much for listening. And I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.